0: Hey Velocity, welcome to today's podcast. We're so excited to hear how your life has changed by Velocity Church. And if your life has been impacted, feel free to send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy the message. We are in week three of a series we're calling Liftoff, where we are learning to seek What is above. And really, the idea of this series is that so many of us, with a new year, we set our sights higher of all these things we want to achieve, all these things we want to do, but the reality is our habits are not aligned to get us there. And so every week we've been learning one small step that we can take that'll make a big difference in our life. The way I like to say it is we have high hopes but low living. And so we've looked at these collection of psalms called the Songs of Ascent. And if you don't know anything about these psalms, they're this short grouping of psalms that come right after Psalm 119. There's 15 of them total. Psalm 119 is the biggest chapter in the Bible, but these are actually some of the shortest chapters in the Bible. I like the fact that God's word puts these two things together like that because what it shows me is that it's not always the big changes I need to make. Sometimes it's just the small steps I need to take. Sometimes just those small things that can create progress in my life and help me go higher. And so we've been learning things from these each week. And throughout the week, I've been giving you some tools that you can use to help you in this process. We have our Lift Off devotional. It's a little reading plan that I wrote that'll take you through all 15 Psalms. And I hope you've been doing that. I've asked you to pray and invited many of you to join us on Wednesdays at 630 and I wanna encourage you to do that if you haven't done that yet. And then I've also been asking you to fast. Now, this week, what I'm gonna challenge you with in our fast is probably the hardest one of any of them that we've done. And some of you are like, man, I thought the food was hard last week. But I wanna challenge you this week to fast entertainment media. So, So what I mean by that is whatever it is in your life for for most of us that might be television for some of you, you might not watch television maybe for some of you it's going to be netflix or it's going to be youtube or it's going to be video games or or maybe it's you know it's music that you listen to or it's certain you know pinterest certain websites that you go to now understand i'm not down on any of that stuff i'm not saying any of that's sinful you shouldn't have that in your life i think it's great you can do that but What I am saying is so many of us, we fill our lives with all of these things and then we wonder why we have a hard time hearing from God. And so I just wanna challenge you this week to to shut some of that stuff off or shut all of it off and really seek God during these times and watch what God's gonna do in your life. And this stuff is so important. I wanna encourage you, this is a 21 day journey. So this is the last week of it. And I really wanna ask you to to re-up your commitment. If you've fallen short or you you haven't, you know, done as well as you would have liked to in these first couple weeks, first of all, there's grace for that. There's no condemnation. But I really want to encourage you to finish strong because what we're doing really serves to set up our year. There's just this principle that when you give God your first, he blesses the rest. And so we do that with our year. That's what we're doing. We're giving God the first part of our year. We're seeking God, believing that he, he's gonna bless it. And I don't know about you, but I, I wanna see God move in your life this year. I, I wanna see the people in your life who are far from God. I, I wanna see them come to know Jesus. Your friends, your family, your loved ones. I, I want this to be the year. I, I want to see addictions broken in your life this year. I, I, I wanna see your relationships Blessed. I want to see you know the power of God personally. I want to see your faith stretched. I want to see your relationship grow. And it happens when we put some of these disciplines into our life. And we say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna seek God first and foremost this year. And there's a lot of things that I want to see God do in our church and through our church in our city. And the cool thing is I've already talked to a number of you and and God has already answered some of your prayers, some of the things that you've been trusting God for and believing God for. He's already moved during this fast. And for those of you who that hasn't happened yet, I just want to encourage you to to keep those things before God. Write them down. Put them on your mirror. That's what you're fasting about. You're believing that God is going to move in your life. and, And I believe you'll see that happen. But I do want to get to our psalm today. And this is a really good one. In fact, it's One of my favorite psalms in scripture, so I was excited to share it with you today. It's Psalm 127. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you use your phone or your iPad, you can use that, and I'll see the warm glow of God's word on your face. And uh, we're going to look at this together. But Psalm 127 is actually one of two psalms that was written by Solomon. Now, normally, when we think of the psalms, we think of David. But the truth is, there are a number of psalms that were written by different people. Uh, Moses wrote one of the psalms. Uh, the sons of Asaph wrote a number of them. The sons of Korah wrote some. Uh, there's this one guy, He-Man. He wrote a psalm. Not He-Man, Master of the Universe, but uh, He-Man the Ezraite, He he wrote a psalm. Different people wrote the psalms. But the cool thing about Solomon is God said this about Psalm. He said that Solomon was one of the he said was the wisest man who ever lived. And basically, what that means to us is that when he's speaking, we should listen up to what he has to say. And so I want us to look at this together in Psalm 127. We're going to read the whole thing. It's only five verses, and we'll put it on the screen for you. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, it's not fruit of the loom, that's underwear. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Now, one thing Solomon knew is that it's not enough just to give people instruction, but when you communicate, you got to do it in such a way that it's going to be memorable. Otherwise, they won't be able to take it to heart. So whenever Solomon speaks or he writes, you see him often use these words that paint a picture. So in this psalm, he's talking about building a house or guarding a city. Or he's talking about the things that we work towards. Or he refers to children like arrows. And basically what he's doing, he, he's talking about all the things in our life that demand our attention. I'm talking about the things we're trying to achieve, the things that we're trying to protect or keep safe, the the, the things that we're trying to build, are our careers, things that we're working towards. He's talking about our families. talking about all these things that demand our attention. And the thing I hope you've learned in this series is that whatever you want to build in your life, whether you're looking to build some success, some momentum, you're looking to, to build a career, a family, whatever it is you want to build, the best thing you can build and where you should start is by building a habit because we form our habits, but then our habits end up forming our lives. And I know there's probably some of you who are thinking, well, that's the problem, Pastor, is I've tried to change. I've tried to make my life different and it doesn't work. Every time I try, I fail. Well, that's why we're giving you small steps, one small step. We're not talking about big changes. We're talking about the small things you can do. We talked about taking off the excuses, taking off the regrets, taking off those things that, that weigh you down. What if you just start there, saying, this year can be different. I'm going to believe God that he's going to help me. We talked about changing your thoughts, controlling those thoughts that keep you grounded. What, what would happen if just those negative thoughts, you begin to speak God's word in your life? Not big changes, but small changes. And so the small step that I want to give you today is to really align your life with God's purpose. Align your life with God's purpose. And I want to use the words of Solomon to speak to you today. I want to speak from this subject, and this is the title of my message if you're taking notes. I want to tell you to aim for the stars. Aim for the stars. And I want to pray. I want to ask for God's help. I'd ask that you would bow your head with me. And we don't always do this, but I like to, there's just something about taking a posture of recognizing God's gonna to speak to you. If you would, just bow your head and I want you to hold your hands like God is gonna to speak to you today. Would you do that for me? I'm gonna receive what God has for you. God, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to speak today. And God, I believe that this is a message that, that you have handpicked and handcrafted, Lord, for the people here, that you really have some things you wanna to speak to us about our purpose. God, I'm asking that you help me communicate in a way that's clear, that's easy to receive. And God, I'm asking for all of us that we would receive the things that you have for us today. Help us to see what you want us to see. Help, help us to know what you want us to know. Help us to understand what we need to understand today. God, I believe you will in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. Hey, how many of you like to work out? Is there anybody here who likes to work out? Couple couple people, you're dismissed, all right? You're dismissed, I don't want you to... Um, How many of you would say, I don't like working out, but I like how I feel after I work out? Would anybody say that? See, this is how I know you're a liar. Because I hate how I feel after I work out. I'm hot. I'm sweaty. I'm out of breath. I'm usually in pain. This past week, I was hobbling for four days straight because leg day was Monday. I couldn't walk. Marissa called me an old man. Hurt my feelings. My wife told me she doesn't like to work out. She likes to wear workout clothes. She, just, she likes the idea you know if she goes you like that like if she goes to the grocery store it's like hey she must work out you know so that hold i i think that's cheating but you know the thing is like i'm often in pain after i go to the gym and what i've discovered is that it's not always like sore muscles that is, is the problem sometimes the problem is i'm actually out of alignment and because of that i've ended up going to the chiropractor and I don't go regularly. It's not like I have a, a standing appointment, but I do go from, from time to time. And, and sometimes I actually like it because it's amazing how much better I can feel after things are brought into alignment. You know what I mean? And it's interesting though, because I've discovered something in my going is that often what happens is I'll feel a pain in one area, but the problem's in another area. I don't know if you've ever Encountered this, but like I'll go to the chiropractor and and I'll be like you know doc my my shoulder hurts over here, and then he starts pulling on my my other arm I'm like no you got it all wrong it's it's not my arm it's it's my shoulder and he's like no 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 it's it's your arm just try and resist me and it's like you know I, I can't resist him because the pain is here but but the problem is here and so he pulls on this arm and and I'll be like you know some my I've got pain in, in my lower back I, I can't. Bend over, and then he pulls on my leg. I'm like, "You don't—it's not my leg. It's—it's it's my back." And he's like, "No, it's right here." And he'll like—he'll punch my back. Now, like my kneecap hurts. I'm like, "What are you doing? Like, how, stop touching me like that." And and within that, it's just—it's this thing of—it's called referred pain. It's where the pain is in one area, but the problem is in another. You know, most of our lives are like that. We've got pain in one area, but that's not the problem. The problem is in another area. It's because our lives are out of alignment. And if we would just align ourselves to the purpose that God has for us, we would see that that's the real problem. But most of us go through life saying, oh, I've got this pain, I've got this pain here. And we're trying to fix the pain and we never solve it because that's not the real problem. It's, it's not the real problem. So what I've discovered is that the best way to pastor people isn't to try to solve their problem, but to show them their purpose. That's why we stress growth track so much. I I don't know if you realize that, but growth track is actually not like something designed to get you on a team, because I I know that because we have lots of people on a team who've never been through growth track. Growth track is not something, you know, it's not like a, a new members thing, because Well, one, we don't have membership at our church, so it's it's not about that. And we encourage whether you've been here, you know, five years, like you need to go through growth track. Growth track, it's not like a new believers or discipleship thing. Sometimes people think that, but one, I don't think you can get discipled just from one class. You really you grow in your relationship with God by being in relationship with people. That's why we talk about groups. But growth track is really designed to help you discover. God's purpose for your life. That's why we say moving from where you are to where God wants you to be. And and maybe even just that idea of discovering your purpose, which which is one of the hallmarks of our church, maybe even that seems a little bit intimidating to you. I I would just challenge you with this, is to live for more. To to live for more than than just the, the daily grind, the putting money in the 401K, the getting a bigger house, the taking care, of, to building a career, to live for more. I'm telling you, if if you come to church here, I, I wanna challenge you. You get involved with what we're talking about. You'll, you'll understand the reason why God puts you on this earth. I, there is nothing more important that brings clarity to every goal that you have. Whether you're talking about your money, we're talking about your job, We're talking about your kids, your health, everything. Then discovering the reason why God puts you on this planet. Then discovering the reason that God created you. And so uh, within that, I've just learned, you know, there's lots of people that come to church like, man, I've got this problem. It hurts here. I know it hurts there, but that's not the problem. The, The problem is you're not aligned with the purpose that God has for you. You were put on this planet for a reason. And when you discover that, it brings so much more healing and direction to every other area. That's why Solomon tells us, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's vain to rise up early, to stay up late work your fingers to the bone, trying to achieve something. He's saying you can work hard and you can even achieve the thing that you are working for, but in the end, still achieve the wrong thing. And here's why you need to know this. Here's why it's so important. Because you have a purpose. Understand, like, this isn't something just for preachers. You have a purpose. Your life is not an accident. You are not an accident. You have a reason you were placed on this earth, and until you discover that, everything else is gonna be out of alignment. God made you. He formed you. He, He gave you your mind. He designed your intellect and your interests, and he put you here for a reason because everything he created, he created to solve a problem and serve a purpose, and I can prove it to you. Let's look at Ephesians chapter two. This is something that Paul wrote when he was talking to the church at Ephesus. And he said, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. In other words, you're his masterpiece. You were handcrafted, not just to exist, not just to pay bills, not just to go on vacations, not just to live, but to live for more. He says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, God had in mind the thing for you to do first, and then he created you for that thing. Do you understand that? He says, you know what? This is what I want to see happen in the earth, and so I'm going to make you to solve that problem. And so your life is never going to make sense. And you'll always have problems in all these other areas until you align your life around your purpose. Just like a solar system needs a sun, your life needs a purpose or it doesn't work right. And your life has a God-given purpose that is bigger than just one hour a week on the weekend. The problem is most of us, we never realize that because our lives are filled with so many other things. That's why it's not coincidental that whenever Jesus would tell a story, he would often tell it with a workplace context. Have you ever noticed that? Because that's where the lordship of Jesus is clearly seen. It's not just in your one hour on a Sunday, but it's in your life. How are you reflecting his glory in your life? How are you representing him in your life? And so we gotta be careful because the reality is most of us we're adding things to our lives that have no part of our lives or should have no part of our lives. The, the simple truth is we, we are trying to do too much. We are buying too much. We're consuming too much. We're trying to fit too much in. And, and it's all because we've we bought into this idea, and it's a lie that, that more is better. Right? Like like I'll prove like if one dollar is good, two dollars is better. Help me out here, right? If one if one crispy cream is good, two crispy creams are it feels really good at saying it like after a fast, like yeah, that is God's best for my life. You know? It's like if one car is good, two cars are if one kid is good, two kids are like it's chaos, right? I'm not not gonna get me to say that one. If one wife is good, two wives are, wrong. Okay, we are not that church. Not again. Interestingly enough, Solomon, who wrote this song, he had 700 wives. And uh, when I was a kid, I asked my dad about this because my dad is a pastor. I, I said, Dad, why did Solomon have so many wives? He said, well, it was in hopes that when he came home, one of them would be in a good mood. Dad, why did you say that? That is, so, I promise you, I didn't say that he said that, okay? I, I will never say that again until the next service. So uh, anyways, but I'm just saying, the truth is, we consume so much, that there's very little room for God in our lives. That's why I've been challenging you with this fast. Because there are some things that you are doing that are robbing you of God's purpose in your life. And the reality is, time is short. I'm just telling you, this isn't like, you know, some eschatological you know, revelation. I'm just saying, like, your life on earth is limited. You, you are one day closer to the end of your life today than you were yesterday. Aren't you glad you came to church? I'm just here to encourage you, <laughs> give you, give you some good news. I'm just saying our time on earth is limited. That's why we can't live casually. And I don't think we should wait till we're out of college or till we're halfway into our careers to discover the reason that God put us here on this earth. And so here's the question for you. This is my main point for today. In fact, my, my only point that I'm gonna put on the screen. And is this, I want you to write it down. I want you to talk about it with your friends, with your spouse, with your family. It's this, are you living by design or are you living by default? Are you living by design or are you living by default? because the truth is, a lot of our lives are not defined by what's important. Most of our lives are defined by what's urgent or what's easy. The truth is, they're defined by someone else or something else. And I understand, like, look, there's a a lot of stuff in our life that's demanding that just has to be done. Like, for me, I have never felt called to do yard work, and yet I know it still has to be done. Like, you can't avoid it. But there's other things in our lives, if we're not careful, they end up dominating our lives. They end up taking precedent in our lives, and we end up with the wrong priorities. It's kind of like this one guy I heard about, you know, Super Bowl's coming up. Anybody know anything about the Super Bowl? It's coming up. I heard about this one guy who got tickets to it last year, and uh, the guy who was telling the story sat next to him because there was one seat that was open, and he's like, you know, hey, man, what's going on? Like, with this open seat. Like, is that yours? And he said, yeah. Uh, You know, I got these tickets, but my wife died. And so that's why the seat is open. And he's like, wow, that's really, that's that's amazing. That's cool that you're honoring, like, the, the memory of your wife with that open seat. But he's like, you know, can't, like, these are expensive. Like, these are good seats. Like, couldn't you, like, give that to a family member, you know, isn't there some, like, relative who you could have, like, offered that to? He's like, no, they're all at the funeral. How many of you know, like, that is the wrong priority, all right? Those are messed up priorities. I'm just telling you that that you got to have the right priorities in your life. I like what Paul said. He says this, what I used to consider gain, he wrote this in the book of Philippians, what I used to consider gain, I now count it All is lost for the sake of Christ. In other words, the things that I used to think were so important, the things that I used to think mattered more than anything else, I've discovered that those aren't nearly as important as, as what I thought. In fact, he goes on to say, I've discovered the surpassing greatness of the things that Christ Jesus has laid out for me. And I think some of us, we buy into this lie that it's like you know what here's what you need in life it's just you know don't go all in with God don't go all in with you just do enough like keep Jesus in the picture but don't make him the the main thing you know go to church when you can but don't make that a priority you know give when you can but but don't make that a, a priority like you believe in Jesus that's good enough you know don't don't, don't go all out with this don't Don't really orient your life around this. But can I tell you the only way you'll ever discover what Paul wrote about, that the things you used to think were important, the things that you used to think that really mattered, you count them as loss because you've discovered the surpassing greatness of what Christ did. The only way you'll ever discover that is if you go all in. And I want you to notice what happens when your goals are aligned with God's purpose. This is what Solomon said. For so he gives his beloved sleep. Now what's the sign that you're walking with and serving God's purpose? Rest, peace, right? Is there anything that would be the antithesis of our I think that's the antithesis because most of our lives aren't marked by rest aren't marked by peace. Most of our lives are marked by worry. They're marked by stress. They're marked by anxiety. I wonder how I'm going to pay this bill. wonder how I'm going to manage this job. wonder how I'm going to deal with these demands, how I'm going to handle this problem. I, I wonder how, how I'm going to work out in this relationship. You know, when am I going to find someone? You're, you're stressed about a relationship. You're worried about a decision you got to make. You're, you're, you're stressed out about this project that you're working on. And I want to ask you this question. If you're sleeping, who's building the house? If you're sleeping, who's watching the city? It's not you. It's God. It's God. And I want you to notice that your goals are not at odds with God's purpose for your life. Do you see that? Whose house is it? It's your house. That doesn't mean that it's opposed to what God wants for your life. But sometimes it's not aligned with God's purpose for our life. Do you catch that? We've got these things that we want to do. But I would tell you, there are many desires that God has put in your heart that are godly desires, that that are God-breathed. They're not necessarily selfish, but they can be if you don't have them aligned with the right purpose, if you don't understand your why. So this isn't don't do anything, just let God do it. That's not the way it works, but it's do what you're called to do, knowing why you're called to do it, knowing that God is going to do what you can. And the reality is some of you, you are working too hard. You are. Now, Understand, I'm all about hard work. I think you should be crushing it when you're working. But you also need to understand the principle of the Sabbath, which is, isn't trusting your ability to work hard, but it's trusting in the God who makes it work. That's what the Sabbath is all about. It's realizing that I can do more when I prioritize God in my life when I prioritize God's purpose in my life, than when I just try and do it all on my own. That's entering into partnership with God. It's this way with the tithe. It's this way with your time. It's this way with your life. It's this way with every area. It's saying, God, I'm gonna give you what I have and honor you with it. And God says, I'm gonna give you what I have and bless you with it. It's entering into partnership with him. And the reality is you've got to give calendar time to those things that you say are important. Now, this is not rocket science. I'm not telling you something that is hard to understand, but it's amazing to me how many people say they have values that don't show up on their calendar. So let me put it to you this way. It's really not a value if it doesn't show up on your calendar. It's really not a value if you don't make, you can say it is, but it's really not because you make time for what you value. So there are some of you, you need to make time for rest and renewal, like what I've been talking about. There are others of you, maybe what you need to make time for is relationships. You know, we launched our group signups last Sunday, and we already have over 150 people in groups. But I want to challenge you, if you've never been in a group, this is your year. Make time. Well, I don't, you don't know, understand, I don't have time. I've got all these responsibilities. I've got all these things with my kids. I've got all these other things that I gotta do with work. My schedule is so crazy. Now, what you've got is a lot of excuses. You've got to make time for relationships. That's what God is gonna to use to grow your life this year. Make time for it. Maybe what you need to make time for is reward. And by that I mean I mean heavenly reward. I mean heavenly reward. You see, the truth is you are going to stand before God one day. And he's not only going to ask you about the commitment you made to him and to Jesus Christ. He also wants to know how you leveraged the life that he gave you. And see, sometimes I think we approach salvation like it's a get out of hell card, right? Like I accepted Jesus and so I'm good, right? I've got Jesus in my life, I believe. But you got to understand, salvation is twofold. There's this part where you receive Christ and you are rescued from your sin and you are saved. But the other part of that is walking out those good works that he has prepared beforehand for you to do. It's it's living out your purpose and living life on purpose. And I'm saying that. Because if you ever do, if you really ever discover why God put you on this earth, what he's called you to do, it'll impact you more than the people God uses you to reach. Just this week, I got an email from somebody and she was telling me about all the ways that God has used this church in her life and all the different ways she's grown. And you know what she kept referring to more than anything else? She listed out a bunch of things she kept referring to serving as a greeter. Now, you may not think serving as a greeter has much to do with your purpose, but for her, she God used it to connect some things for her. One, she connected it to the bigger picture of what happens on a Sunday, of how people are getting saved every week, destinies are being changed, lives are being transformed, and she understood how that one small part played a part in the bigger picture, but she also talked about how it prepared her for this new season she was going into. And she said this, man, this is amazing. She said, I realize what I'm living for now and why I'm here. And that's powerful. I wish all of you could have that moment where you say, I realize what I'm living for and why I'm here. I like to say it this way. When you help build God's house, He helps build your house. And if he doesn't build your house, then everything you're building is in vain. So how do we do this? Well, we gotta eliminate the non-essentials in our life. That's part of it. And that's why I've been encouraging with this fast during this series. Not because those things are bad or not even because those are the things that you need to eliminate in your life, but just to show you that God needs to have more weight On your life, God needs to have more weight on your decisions. God needs to have more weight on your priorities. In fact, the most helpful thing that you do this year probably isn't making a list of all the things that you want to achieve, of all the things that you want to do. The most helpful thing you could do this year is making a list of what you need to stop. Now, I'm not talking about stop sinning or stop bad habits. I get that, but I'm saying those things that are taking up too much time in your life, those things that are not aligned with your purpose. You know, for me, this was actually halfway through last year, but God dealt with me about something that I was was going to this website. It wasn't not a bad website, not sinful. It was just a technology blog. I I like technology, and I'm always trying to stay up on that. And God just tells me, like, that's not adding anything to your life. Like, it's, it's a time, like, that's not helping you with your purpose. That's just filler. Now, that's a small thing. But, you know, I'm telling you, there are things in your life that you are allowing to come in that are not aligned with your purpose. And it's robbing you of God's best for you. I mean, some of you, you need to limit the number of activities that your kids are involved in. Now I know that is sacrilegious to even suggest in America because, like, we never do that because we put our kids as an idol that we serve. But can I tell you that you're, some of your kids are, are involved in too much? They're involved in too much because you can't even breathe because you are running all over with things that your kids are doing. Like you know you're involved in too much when you say it's time for dinner and all your kids get in the car. You know that's that's how you know that you're doing too much. But. It's appropriate we talk about kids because that's where Solomon goes next. This is what he says. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Now, you know, there's nothing that will make you think more about what you're living for than when you think about your kids. Because as a parent, you're responsible for their souls. And so Solomon went this direction because he knows that When we think about our children, it makes us think about our aim, makes us think about our purpose, makes us think about why we're doing what we're doing. He refers to them as as arrows. What's the purpose of an arrow? An arrow doesn't do any good in a quiver. The purpose of an arrow is to hit the target meaning that there is a purpose and a direction. Now, the interesting thing is, some of you don't have kids, don't have kids yet. Maybe your child raising days are behind you. The interesting thing is in this text is that the word child and the word build actually come from the same word, same Hebrew word. Son or, or child means ben, is ben. Build is benah. It's the same word. In other words, whatever you're building, needs to have a purpose that it's headed for, needs to have a direction. So where should our things be headed, our kids be headed, things we're building in life? I prefer to let Jesus answer that. This, This is what he says. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Say first, first, it's the highest, The most important priority. The most important thing you could do would be to live for heaven. One translation puts it this way, to understand and know what God wants and then do it. To to seek that first, to make that your aim. He says, when we do that, all these other things will come. The thing you're trying to build the thing you're trying to protect and and keep, the the things that you're working hard towards, the the family that you've been entrusted with, when you've got the right aim, all those other things come into line. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, when you aim at heaven, you get earth thrown in. But when you aim at earth, You get neither. I want to challenge you to make sure you're aiming for what matters. I don't have time to go into it all, but the interesting thing is is that stars in Scripture are often used as a symbol of reflecting the glory of God. So that's what I want to challenge you with, is to aim for something that's going to outlast you to to aim for something that's going to reflect God's glory whatever it is you're doing to to aim at affecting generations having spiritual fruit people who make decisions for Christ whatever it is you're doing aim for that and watch God watch God's purpose be performed in your life